After being filled in on the strange details of the day-walking vampires, the Maricleric set up a defensive perimeter in the tavern's dining area. They had the tavern's patrons in the storage area downstairs where there are no windows for the vampires to breach. There were wooden boards nailed in place over the windows and each of the clerics was in their combat armor. We're in agreement that the unusual atmosphere here is what's letting vampires walk around in the daylight hours. We're looking at thick overhead clouds, frequent snowfall, and somehow vampires not being turned to ash by the sunlight. It makes sense. Alright. How are the vampires just appearing behind people? After windows are broken by harsh winds and hail. I haven't figured that out yet. Me either. It worries me though. What I can't figure out is how we always seem to find something that keeps us from going straight home to Mirefall after we've killed necromancers and their hordes. Hmm, who knows? We should keep talking though. Make certain the vampires come in through the windows. The group kept up conversation until the hailstorm outside shattered the windows in the dining area. The four clerics readied their weapons, then remained unfazed when the wound splintered, then glass and wood sprayed the area around the windows. A strong gust burst through the windows, carrying in snow and small hail pellets. The four clerics frantically surveyed the room in search of the vampire thralls. Simultaneously, the temperature in the room plummeted, snow scattered, Fog poured into the windows, and a gust rushed past them. Hmm. They're crawling through the windows at any moment. No sign of that yet. No, but soon. Why would the vampires make an entry point, then not use it? Libby conjured a large fire, then used it to heat the air around them. They wouldn't. And vampires are too dumb to realize we're the ones that destroy them. That they are. So where's the vampire horde? Frantic screams filled the air. The Mariclerics hurry into the storeroom where the patrons from the inn are hiding. Libby lobs a fireball at one of the vampires. Alina yeets her sword at another. Several more vampires crept toward the cowering crowd. We need to keep their attention on us. Nassius charges at the horde of undead. With his silver gauntlets, he punches rapidly into the crowd. Sable follows Nassius, then stops short of joining the assault. Sable looks down at his wrist blade, then at the ravenous monsters. Nassius, get ready to chase them. What? What are you going to do? Sable cuts the back of his hand with his wrist blade. <sighs> that should keep their attention. The vampires stop, then sniff the air. Nassius looks at Sable, then he grabs at several of the undead creatures. Say hell! Why would you do that? One Mara cleric versus the lives of countless innocent villagers. That's an easy call. Sable, run! Sable hurries up the stairs. The undead monsters charge after the scent of fresh blood. Levy conjures a large fire and launches it at the vampires. <laughs> Elena scooped up her blade. Then she swung at several vampires. Nasius forced his silver gauntlets against the vampires' taut flesh. The vampires shrieked in pain and flailed desperately against Nasius' weight. After the vampires returned to dust, Nasius grabbed several more. Alina looked up the stairs. We can never repay you for this, no matter how stupid that was. Please, don't die. One of you should go help Sabel. We have no idea how many more there are here. I'll go. We need to figure out how they got in first. 
They always come in with the fog and snow. With? What do you mean with the fog and snow? It's like they're made of fog and snow. Damn. Vampires are magical creatures that adapt to their environment. These ones are in a tundra. You think that means these ones become some sort of mist? Most vampires can turn invisible. It makes sense now that we've seen it. Mystery solved. Now, I'm going to go protect our brave, but stupid friend from vampires. <laughs> and himself. Leaving Elena and Nasius to slay the intruders, Libby returns to the ground floor of the tavern. The mage from the Mara Temple looked around at the dark, frigid room. Everything was still, and it was silent. The fire in the hearth had gone out, and snow and hail pellets were carried into the window by the Arctic winds. Libby conjured a flame and held it close to her to light the way. Savel, Savel, are you in the dining area or near the bar? She received no answer. Perhaps he spoke too quietly for her friend to hear. They knew vampires were drawn to sound, and given that Savel is bleeding, she did not want to draw more vampires inside while their group was split. Maybe looked behind the bar. Savel, Savel, I need to find you so I can protect you. But if I talk any louder than this, more vampires can come pouring through the broken windows. A burst of cold air blasted through the broken glass. Libby turns abruptly and jumps, startled. Her eyes dart from corner to corner of the room, searching for any sign of that wind being a vampire. Savel, we know how the vampires are coming inside unseen. Libby gingerly approaches the broken windows. She squints and stares outside through the falling snow. They wouldn't be that stupid. Then again, I didn't think he'd intentionally cut his hand in a room full of vampires. A creaking floorboard catches Levy's attention. She turns around quickly. Then she looks at the stairs. The smart thing would be to get as far away from the helpless innocents when using yourself as bait. Levy creeps up the stairs while making as little noise as possible. Nassius led the patrons and workers of the tavern to the ground floor. Helena traveled behind the group. When they were near the bar, Nassius searches for any sign of vampires. When he finds the bar area to be safe, he motions for the group to follow. Then, with Elena guarding the villagers, Nassius ambles into the kitchen. Since these vampires can be snow, or wind, or hail, staying here and remaining quiet with the hearth burning is the safest possible situation for all of you. Oh. Thank you for agreeing to protect us from those monsters. It is our job to protect the others. We can never repay you for this, for helping us. Please, don't concern yourself with that. Nasius returns to the bar area. Neither our friends nor any vampires are back there. Why aren't you whispering anymore? With two of us in here, talking normally should be fine. If any vampires get in, we get rid of them the way we did the others. We should light the fire again. Keep it warm in here. If these vampires are connected to the cold, that should keep them at bay. And it's cold in here. If we have to outlast the vampires until dark when they sleep... Uh, I may not get used to that sentiment. 
Is it that strange, really? Most vampires die in the sunlight. From what you've told us, we've gathered that these ones are in a part of the world where there's little sunlight because of the climate, so they sleep at night. After starting the fire, Eleanor settles at the bar. We learned of these monsters first thing in the morning. Mm, only a few hours could have passed. We have a long wait, and really, we should cover the window as much as we can. Agreed. After that, you are going to fill us in on everything else about the vampires. So come nightfall, we can find the nest and destroy it. Libby moves slowly, so she does not draw attention to herself. Catching vampires off guard is always ideal. She approaches the room nearest to her, then looks for signs of Savel or vampires. When she finds nothing, she moves on to the next room. What is really strange is we haven't seen a few of our regular customers since last night after dinner. In the chaos of this vampire attack, it slipped my mind. How many people is that? Three. A scholar who goes back and forth between two temples. Our tavern here is the halfway point. That is a perfectly normal reason why somebody might be in their room all day. Sure, but after the sounds of breaking glass and screaming... All right, most people would have investigated that. One is on the night watch for the mining company. Mm, sleeping during the day is expected. The third doesn't talk much. Once every few weeks, she comes in, pays ahead of time, stays a night, then leaves. Hmm. She may have left before the chaos this morning, then. It's possible. Why haven't Libby and Savel come back yet? They should have come back by now, or we'd hear them slaying the vampires. Then, what happened? The blur of white and gray hung overhead was blindingly bright. Reaching for something, pain along back and neck, brush, burn, and coldness, then... It went dark. Libby sighs with relief when she finds several piles of ash in the attic of the tavern. She uses her flame to examine the attic's environment. Lots of ash from vampire slayings line the floor. Then a gentle breeze pulls her attention to the open window. Terrified, the mage hurries to the window. She stares out at the blanket of white and leaned against the windowsill. She looks down at the roof and realizes the snow there had been disturbed. Then... The damp spot under her palm registers in her mind. Mimi lifts her hand, then looks at the blood spot. Oh no! Sable! There's blood in the attic window! And what's open in? And... I'm going to find Sable. Libby, come with me. At nightfall, I'll come find you. If we hurry, we can follow blood and footprints and get to save El before he's the vampire's next meal. H how did they surprise him? They may not have had to. He was alone, probably in a dark room so they didn't draw attention to himself. Narcius pulls up his hood, then he hurries into the blizzard. Terrified and anxious, Levy follows. Save El opens his eyes. The world around him is a blur. When his eyes adjust to the room he's in, he sees an entity in the corner. As they always do, the creature burns, looking like a mixture of colored fire and shadows. That one is a bright blue and black, 
The High Elf then sees two additional creatures. He's seen them before when he's on silent. They are an envoy of Mara, a precursor of death. Since he's alone, the additional creatures made no sense. Where is your weapon, Cleric? Must have dropped it. Don't remember. <laughs> well, it's not on your belt. That makes sense then. Zena moves out of the path of the hungry vampires. She walks towards the cleric's head. Go ahead. Feed. That's why I brought him here. <clears throat> Feed? Why aren't you feeding too? As woozy as he felt, Savel tried to focus on the people around him instead of the precursors to death. <laughs> because I'm not a vampire. <sighs> then... Why help them? That hardly seems like any of your business. But if you're lucky, you'll become one of them soon. What do you mean? None of them have even bitten me. Huh. I thought you were just tough. Maybe being in the cold for so long gave you nerve damage. Sefer looks down. He grimaces when he sees the undead creatures suckling from various wounds. No, I'm dying. Sevel looks away from the vampires, disgusted by the monsters. He looks at the two others in the room not feeding from him. They sit calmly at a nearby table. And what of them? They're human too. Since I'm dying anyhow, really... Why collude with vampires? If you must know, when we bring them unwitting travelers, we don't get bitten. So you abduct people to feed undead monsters? That's deplorable. Zena toys with Savel's brooch. <laughs> that is awfully judgmental from a Mara cleric who is tricked by a bunch of mindless nulls he was supposed to slay. If they're mindless, who do you make that covenant with? Their nest maker. A vampire with a mind who controls all of these nulls. Savel looks at the entities from Mara. The three creatures were brightly colored flames of bright blue, deep purple, and silver. They have little shadow left around them. The vampires stop feeding from Savel. The mindless undead creatures take off running toward the entrance of the mine. Entities from my beloved goddess. I realize one of you is here for me. But who are the other two? What are you talking about? And who are you talking to? Those messengers of death in the corner opposite the table. Zena turns and looks at the empty corner. Either the lack of blood or the long exposure to cold is making you hallucinate. Savel! Savel, we're here! Savel! Where are you? <laughs> Given the direction the vampires ran, those two are the others you are hallucinating the deaths of right now. I'm here. I'm weak and hurt. Zena scoffs, then turns towards the two new voices. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die trying to live and trying to keep my friends alive. Even if they rescue you, 
You've already foreseen your own death. What good will it do? The other two humans get up from the table and move towards the entrance of the mine. Savelle looks at the envoys again. They lack shadow and are only colored flames. He takes in a deep breath and musters his strength to sit upright. The elf readies his wrist blade. Then he pulls the woman backward. Before she can scream, she falls to the floor, lifeless. Savelle pushes himself off the table. Then he stumbles forward. The high elf cleric falls to the ground and drags himself forward to the entrance of the mine. He moves until he collapses. And that is why you were a week late returning. It is. We somehow found a nest of vampires on our way back from dealing with the necromancer. It was Mera's will. You were put on that path for a reason. And we now know there are vampires able to exploit their one natural weakness. Uh, how scary is that? Incredibly. Vampires are horrible as it is. But these ones could think. That's even worse. Smart monsters are terrifying, agreed. I do like the stupid lumbering ones better. I do suggest the human collaborators made these ones worse. As scary as it is, my child, it is far better we are aware of this situation. Mountains and tundras may become a safe haven for the undead, and we cannot allow that to happen. True. Who knows how many vampires there could be if they went unchecked in the Arctic? Exactly. I will meditate on this and decide our best course of action. But you need to show reverence to Mara. It is the week we celebrate her and the gift of life. The four clerics stand. Except you, Savel. I still have things to discuss with you. Nazius, Levy, and Eleanor leave the High Priest's office. Zosimus stands, then walks around his desk to stand face to face with Savel. I know. I behaved stupidly. Agreed. But I was not going to discipline you. You were not turned into a vampire. You lived, and you protected the inhabitants of a village. You do need to find the balance between courageous and foolhardy. That seems to be a common enough trait among our clerics. Sorry, High Priest. You lived through a terrifying ordeal, and you now return during the festival where we celebrate life, reflect on death, and revere Mera. You may want to think about the recent events and your near brush with death throughout the celebrations. That is all. You are dismissed. Zavell leaves the High Priest's office, then walks through the halls of the temple. Mera. I'm not even certain you can hear me, but since this is the time of year when we revere you, so I am grateful you spared me, no matter what the reasons are for that. I was either going to die or become undead, or so I thought. I promise to be less reckless, although knowing why I can see those harbingers, that'd be nice. They're as scary as the monsters we go up against because I figured out what they are, I realize how close to death I came this time, but I feel lighter, better, like you're really watching what we do, 
not that I doubted your existence before, but having faith confirmed is invigorating. Thank you, Mara. Sorry for the long prayer. With life and death all over the world, I'm sure you're busy. I also hope you enjoy the celebrations we have in your name. <laughs>